Welcome back to the Tower Hill Podcast with Pat and Mike Kilner. Before I introduce our guests on the podcast today, I want to take a moment to again mention the Kilner Group's upcoming scholarship competition for young entrepreneurs. We are awarding $10,000 to the local student or student group with the best idea and presentation for a new business. Submission deadline is mid-November of this year, 2017. So if you know of a high school senior or college student with an entrepreneurial spirit, please encourage them to take a look. For full details and to see our list of sponsors, visit kilnergroup.com slash scholarship. So our guests for this episode are Nick DeSarno and Sean Keegan, co-founders of Rock Spring Contracting. Nick and Sean started their business in 2010 and have grown to a $34 million company in that time. Their focus is commercial drywall, demolition, and hauling in the D.C. area. Nick and Sean joined Pat and I here in the studio and brought some fantastic insights into the grit and determination it takes to grow their business and gave some great insights on how focusing on finding the right people has allowed their business to grow. Enjoy. All right. So we're in the studio here with Nick Tassano and Sean Keegan, the owners of Rock Spring Contracting. Guys, thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. And they're going to be judging. You guys are going to be judging this young entrepreneur scholarship and really excited to have you and your expertise. And I think as you, as you listen to this podcast, you're going to understand why we asked Sean and Nick to just lend us a hand. So let's jump in. Mike is here in the studio as well. Hello there. <laughs> Good hey, to Mike. see you again, I'm, Mike. I'm here for the color commentary. You, yeah, as, as, as always. Yeah, we definitely need You're that. the play-by-play -play <laughs> color <laughs> commentary. Yeah, yeah. You're Put cool. in my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we're just, just going to jump in here. You know, Nick and Sean are local guys, as you may sort of glean from the name. Nick, you're, you're from you're from Silver Spring, right? I'm from Silver Spring. The and second half of uh, the second yeah. the, the second half of the name. So <laughs> Spring, and and I know Sean's from Rockville. Yep. And little known fact, Sean and I way back when went to St. Jude's. Yeah. Just yeah. passed it on the way here. Your your yeah. dad, I think, co coached us first first and second grade, maybe. Yeah. Soccer. So, uh, to, and, and, and into our illustrious careers all the way into college. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, right. but great to have you guys. So let's, let's just kind of take this, you know, you guys have a lot to offer. There's a, there's a lot to get through here and I know the audience is, is, is eager. So, so Nick and Sean have now almost a $34 million drywall and demo company on the commercial side. It's all local. I've been really intrigued in how they've grown the business. Really excited to talk about that. You know, at any one day, you guys have about 250 people on average in the field, and you just started in 2010. It was just the two of you. Is that right? That's right. Yep. So that's a huge growth. You know, you could apply for all sorts of awards, but I think you guys have your heads down so hard. That's the last thing on your mind, which is pretty endearing to talk to folks who yeah, aren't, aren't bragging about being, you know, on this thing or that thing. You guys have just been rocking. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how did you guys decide to get in the business together? What did you bring to the table as individuals in order to make that happen? Well, first, we're thrilled to be here. And one correction real quick. Nick and I did start the company, but my mom was also there doing the books for free for an entire awesome. year. So oh, nice. I, in case she ever hears this, obviously, I have to make that, make that Shout out clear. to mom. Yeah. Um, so we need some family help when you're getting started. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I was, uh, Nick and I have been friends since high school. After college, we became better friends. I never really had a plan to start a company together, but through I was running a small, more paint and renovation company that was doing a lot of residential work, and we wanted to get into a little commercial work. Nick was working at Jones Lang LaSalle as a construction manager, basically running tenant interior projects, mm -hmm. which is what we do a ton of now. So we just, you know, we were talking and staying in touch and seeing each other here and there. And so we started to bid some work with them, started to get some work. And then Nick had an opportunity to potentially leave JLL and get involved in a small demo company. So he wanted to take me out to lunch and just really pick my brain on what it's like to run a small company. We were doing about a million and a half, the company that I was at. And I think the demo company was doing about the same probably revenue. So he thought mm -hmm. it was a good kind of sounding board, I guess. And at that lunch of Vincent Dominic's. I Which think no longer exists, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And the, Biggest pieces of pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I think we split one piece. Lady in the Tramp style. I think we, yeah, we, we, we So during that lunch, we just decided, hey, maybe we need to explore doing this together on our own. Was there something about like 
Nick or, or Sean, what, what either of you said that went, there was a sort of a click and aha, like this would be really cool to be in business together. I, I think one thing we recognize is the relationships that we had, mm. the relationships we had that could allow us to be successful. Neat. Yeah, I think that was that was really key for us and has been all the way up to now. Right. These first, you know, Rela- seven years. Yeah, yeah, relationships, meaning basically people who we thought could give us work. Sure. Out the, out the gates. Right. Uh, so, which is obviously great to start a company with some contracts coming up that you know you'd have mm-hmm. a really good shot at. So, that kind of instilled the confidence right away to be like, hey, let's let's meet again and talk about this. I mean, it wasn't one meeting and then we put on, you know, the company was formed. We had several meetings where we did what we thought was right to start a company you know, the, yeah. the business first business plan we ever wrote, which must is going to be hysterical to look back on. We have it somewhere. We have it somewhere. Sure. But several meetings, you know, at night after work, we just get together and say, Hey, well, you know, what do you just try to, to plan out and, and look ahead and see what we thought it could be. And then finally in March of 2010, we made it happen. So the pizzas around what, what time? That was probably mid 2009, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. So Summer this is the course of a, a few warm. months of you yeah. guys having, you know, yeah. six, seven, 10 meetings, whatever it is. Right. Just throwing around ideas, probably some phone calls, you know, after dinner, after the kids go down or whatever. And then, and, and you're just thinking through stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's this idea that, okay, you get in a room once or, you know, and let's have a follow-up conversation and you're inking out a business plan and a partnership agreement. Right. This is something that, that, that it's cultivated, even though you guys knew each other right yeah. out of the gates. Mm-hmm. I also just, I think it's fascinating that you guys in 2009, like in the midst of a recession, decided yes. to do this, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. Now that we're not quite in a recession anymore, you can see the the growth that's come from it. Right? I think our parents it's were probably, probably like, Ooh. probably not the best time <laughs> to try. But you're going to quit your jobs company. and uh, start your own Well, Nick had yeah, two I kids. I just had my second kid. I, yeah. I think Lila was born in January of 2010. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was. It's a big leap. Yeah. Pretty cool. Some, some convincing yeah. of your wife. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Little bit. She had, <laughs> she had faith in us though. That's yeah. awesome. Good. Yeah. So talk to me really quick about sort of the, the transferable skills. We talked, you, you had some relationships, but what did you guys see at the early stage in terms of, you know, I've got this skill set that's going to transfer really well into this, this next step. Were, were there any things that, you know, you really could identify there? I think there was some there were some things to identify. I think it's definitely been an evolution, you know, as we started and as we grew, kind mm-hmm. of where our roles were focused. But I think early on there was a lot of I kind of had that organizational financial background and Sean had, you know, more of a business development sales background and and the relationships and it really has evolved that way. Yeah. I think when we started, it wasn't, I, I, I think we'd be lying if we said we sat there at one of those meetings and said, okay, you're going to be, you're going to do this. Here's your hat. This. We were like, let's get projects. Yeah. Hopefully profitable projects. We'll run them. Whoever is the lead guy on them that needs to go to the job, check it out, run right. the foreman and just let's figure it out. And then you're covering for each other, covering for each other where we, he was going home at night to do dinner, coming back mm-hmm. to the office, you know, so we're, we're kind of have every hat on at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but certainly as the years have gone on and we've made hires and grown different roles and things have been needed that weren't needed when it was just Nick and I, I mean, yeah. managing the organization, what meetings are required weekly, what, you know, when we hire someone, what's the, what's the job description. And Nick is, tremendous at that. I mean, just yeah. the ability to put the systems in place, which really have been critical for our growth, especially since we've grown really quick without those, it'd just be chaos. So at this point it's, it's evolved into sort of, a, would you say a more formal sort of Nick, you're wearing more the ops hat and, and the CFO hat and Sean, you're more, you're more on sort of casting the big vision, getting people motivated type stuff. Yes, yes, I would say. Yeah, and it's certainly a team effort on the motivated and the the vision. We're constantly talking about where we're headed, where we've been, where, you know, what was good last year, what was not good. Or Yeah, you need you need the numbers to tell that story as yeah, well. Absolutely. We also have our, our own relationships that I kind of manage and Sean manages his relationships and, you know, and down the line, I mean, our employees have relationships. So you kind of know through our customer base who, who runs that kind of customer, who who sees that through? Yeah. Like if I need to, I may not be the the financial guy, but if 
it's my relationship that owes us a bunch of money that's old. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make the phone yeah, call. So there's sure. a lot of that. But normally I have sure. to make sure I have to tell him to go reach yeah. out. Yeah, right. like, yeah, you're owed some money. You need to make sure. Exactly. Or do you want me to do it? Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't need the hammer dropped on my, <laughs> my friend now. Yeah. The customer. That's great. But just I, I love the the idea of just getting in and being scrappy. You guys trusted each other enough and knew that each of you were bringing enough game to the table early on. You could sort of see the framework, but it's jump in, let it be messy, cover for each other, scrap through it and develop, you know, learn the game as you as you grow, not having to have everything perfectly detailed because there's a lot you just can't plan for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing. I mean, one of the things I think is flexibility. You have to be able to transition from a a business plan. I mean, just because that's what you put on paper doesn't mean that's the way it's exactly going to go. You have to be able to evolve and transition and make it work. We we understood what kind of work we could get and we made that as successful as we could. Yeah. I just have a question. What were your goals? Do you remember what your goals were for like the first year? Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I know the first year's revenue we were looking for i think we one thing i always think about is we we thought if we ever got to five million which we maybe thought we'd never get to five million in revenue like that's we thought would be okay we'd have nice lives and and, you know obviously that would have been a much smaller team but it just things have really ballooned uh, Mm -hmm. in a good way so my goal was to not burn through my entire savings before we actually started started making some money yeah so i don't know we went the whole my goal i think it was year nine months months yes we started in march without bringing any money in i had no wife and no kids and was living on battery land in bethesda so it was pretty (laughs) yeah all right yeah had a mortgage a new baby so yeah, yeah we were in different stages which was which was interesting yeah Interesting as well. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, Yeah. I think one thing that was funny was uh, funny to look back on, but when we got a big job, I think in our first year, which was you know at that time twenty five, thirty thousand, that we we went to Baja Fresh to uh, to celebrate. (laughs) That's a that's a great indicator. Baja Fresh, (laughs) and it's Uh, just the two of you going out, right? Which is good. I mean, you have, to celebrate, you have to celebrate all those moments because yeah. that was a big deal for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, was, it was great. That is cool. Well, it yeah. sounds like you guys have continued sort of that celebration. Talk to me about one of the things that really intrigued me is that you didn't start out as drywall guys. Like you didn't do drywall before. <laughs> now you're a, you're a, a big drywall subcontractor on a commercial level, but you guys started out as, as a painting company. Really, it was really what it would have started out, and 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 the opportunity to buy a demo company. Can you bring us in that evolution? Like, what did that look like? That was interesting. I think Sean mentioned earlier that you know he had that paint background, Mm -hmm. so we chose that entry point because we had the relationships. We had relationships in terms of customers. We had relationships in terms of suppliers, Mm -hmm. and we also had relationships with labor, manpower, labor. So that that was an easy entry point for us. Gotcha. I don't think Sean or I, as teenagers or younger, thought we thought we were going to be painters, right. much less or drywall guys or demo guys or any of that. Right. But it was an easy entry point into starting and running your own business. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, then, we were, yeah, we yeah, were bidding on exterior paint jobs, residentially, commercial corridors, just painting doors and frames. You mm-hmm. know, just whatever relationship or our network. You know, if a family friend needed a an exterior paint job, mm-hmm. I was. We were going over there and giving them a number. Absolutely. Give them a number. Yeah. I think when we got, when we pulled in the parking lot here, we we did some painting in this building. Yeah, oh, yeah. Did. Yeah. And, uh, By the way, it is very nice in here. Yeah, Thank you. Some great <laughs> eggshell on the walls. Yeah. 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 It's like a nice sheen still. It's good. Yeah. Right. He can tell with his eyes closed. Sean, <laughs> He's touching the wall. It's not oil. There's yeah, a, no. yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Low Sean. VOC. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that just that ability to stay agile and 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 move with opportunities right what the theme that i heard when we were talking before is you know we you guys started again residential now you're commercial uh, heavily residential initially probably now you're commercial but finding the relationships along the way that allowed you to grow and one thing that that kind of blows my mind is speaking of relationships most of your business if i'm not mistaken is relationship based you're not out there marketing an enormous amount. Really, it's all about 
the influential people that you go and, you know, sit down with and, and, and figure out how you can add value to them. Can you talk to us a little about that process of, you know, of how you found the, re- the right relationships? As we evolved and we got into the, the, the demo, we started, you know, started offering more, or we started trying to get more work from general contractors on the commercial side. Nick had some relationships from the company that he left, JLL, to start bidding some work. So, and the company that we ended up buying for, you know, I think we borrowed a small amount of money and bought the trucks and access to the labor, had done a lot of work for Jones Lang LaSalle, where Nick had come from. So they were familiar with who they were getting and in terms of the labor. So, but, you know, the way the way it works with general contractors, if you get in and do, they have project managers who run all these projects. Mm-hmm. If you have an in with one of them and you go in and you show that you can be responsible, do the job, you know, communicate properly, and they're satisfied with your product, then they're going to tell the person who's sitting five feet from them that, hey, I just use Rockspring here. You should give them a shot on your next job. So one thing that's been great for us and we, that we learned is as you, you know, you could kind of grow with it. We, we don't have 30 customers. We have seven, eight main customers, mm-hmm. but we work for a ton of people within the, that company. Sure. Just by doing a good job and showing up each day and spreading and, our wings within that company. Yeah. yeah. The customer service component. We, we started as, you know, doing paint. It, it's not rocket science. You know, you can paint. If you're sure. a good painter, you can paint, right? But it, it comes down to, do they want to interact with you? Do they, do they trust you? Are you going to get the job done? Are you going to be responsive? Mm-hmm. So those are all the things that we, we stress to our employees, to our company, and, and how we want to differentiate ourselves. It's important to note that I think the relationship, we always need that in. You need to get in so that you can spread your wings. Yeah. yeah. That's where we knew people. That's where we, we just need somebody to give you a chance. Yeah, and uh, it's just that, right? Yep. Hey, give me a chance. If I screw this up, I'll never bother you again. That's, yeah. Well, but, we did screw it up. We did. We had our bumps and bruises <laughs> for sure, and had to just. I mean, one, uh, you know, we have a, a very good customer, a guy I've become really good friends with. The first job we ever did for him was the worst finishing job. The mud work on the mm-hmm. walls was the worst we'd ever performed or seen, and we just owned up to it, said, hey, we'll fix it. We'll pay your the painter on the job to repaint the whole space. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I was ready to never give you guys a job again. Next one we got, we knocked it out of the park and we've done a ton of work for him since. So yeah, so it's not what you do when everything's just perfect. It's how you react when there's stuff hitting just as the much. Exactly right. Just as much. Yeah, exactly that's right. that's. Are huge. you going to pick up the phone when you don't want to pick it up? Because you know, it might not be the best conversation. It needs to be had and you need to move on. You need to take care of it. And yeah, I mean, so your marketing, your marketing, your lead generation strategy is just focusing on the product, which yeah. is, I think, a lot of a lot of a lot of companies that you hear about, like in the news, right? They don't, you know, these big startups. All they're doing is just creating, you know, getting massive funding so they can do massive marketing campaigns so they can sign up as many people as possible, right? right. And the product is can be secondary, mm-hmm. right? But you guys are like you're in these long-term difficult relationships, these big jobs, right? Where you're not just, you're not just selling them an app and hoping that they'll use it. Like you got to be with these people for years, yeah, right? They got to trust you and like you for years. That focus on the product is probably the most difficult thing you could try and teach to a young entrepreneur, but it's the, it's the fastest way to, to have a really successful, profitable business. Well, and in these big companies as well, you know, management changes and either your guy leaves or you've got, you know, and transitions into another company. Do they bring you with them? That's always a big question. Or does management come in and, you know, try to bring in their people and you have to have a really solid relationship with, you know, boots on the ground. And, you know, so it's really B2B sales or B2B relationship building as we like to talk about it, is is really all about not just making sure you've got the approval of, of the higher ups, but really having the relationships all the way through that 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 organization. So really I'm I'm glad we got into that with you guys. You mentioned people, just the importance of people and and you know the importance of the guys doing the doing the mud work and running the metal studs to the people in the back office. How do you guys find your people? How do you identify them? And if you could give some just quick advice on on how you lead them as well, you know you got 250 people out there, and you guys are, are generous enough to come in here on, on a morning when I'm sure you've got jobs going on. How how do they know what their marching orders are? So can we talk about identification and leadership real quick? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I just to get back, people are our product. You know, we we say mm. we tell our guys all the time. We tell everybody, like everybody can hang a sheet of drywall. You know, maybe Sean can't, or I can't do that great, <laughs> but, or finish the drywall. But there's tons and tons of people that can hang a sheet of drywall and get a job done. But it's just, it's the people that make the difference for sure, hundred percent. And mm-hmm. we we firmly believe that. We tell everybody that. And then getting into how we find our people. When we started, we went to people we trusted. We knew family members. Sean's brother-in-law is a big, Chris Leonetti is a big part of our mm-hmm. company and, and leadership. Brad Richardson is a friend of ours from high school, went mm-hmm. to Gonzaga, known Brad for 20 plus years at this point, was our second hire. And then some of the guys that Sean already knew that were good you know, painters at that time mm-hmm. were our initial hires as well. So I think from there, it's been trusting the people that we had in place to bring us more people. Mm-hmm. That's that's really been the the avenue that we've gone. Yeah, uh, we've rarely hired someone, you know, at least speaking on the office now, that either wasn't a referral from someone who already worked for us or a family member or someone that we knew right. Right, from the past. So it's a very – and that, that can be a scary thing because, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's like, hey, you were my friend for, you know, for 15 years. Yeah, and this yes. isn't working out. You're my brother-in-law. <laughs> you're my brother-in-law. I'll see you at dinner Sunday. But Thanks, you're This is going to be awkward. So there, there's some fear there, I think. But, but at the end of the day – you know, they treat, you know, everyone treats a company like it's their own, which is such a great thing. And there's trust there. We can feel completely comfortable just relinquishing responsibility and know that people are going to take it really seriously and, and want to own it. And then the field, we've just really, it's taken us a while to get there, but it's, it's not so different from the office hiring. I mean, it's the strong leadership in the field are basically our drywall superintendents, our demo superintendent, we count on them to find the foremen who are critical to our business. If you don't have a good foreman on a big drywall job, we are such a big part of driving that job that it can be a real bad thing for the company. So we, we really relied on our superintendents to find us the labor to, you know, to get these jobs done. And they've done a tremendous job of that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Job. So it sounds like it's not a top down, you're you putting the people in place, but you're you're giving that, you're decentralizing it, giving it a lot of those decisions over to the people who are really close to the work. The people you know? that we trusted, that we hired, then then to yeah, to it's hire those decision. people. The foremen are on the front line. I mean, the foremen are, you know, we tell them at foreman meetings that we we have foreman meetings monthly or quarterly and say, You guys are Rock Spring. That's what you are. To to the customer, they, they don't know Sean, they don't know me, maybe the superintendent on the job that's that's running it might not know us, might not know Chris or Brad or or Craig Beamer, our our director of operations, but they know Rock Spring by the actual foreman on the job, whether it's Gerardo or yeah. Carlos or some of our other guys out there. That that's that's Rock Spring Gee. to them. So well, and when very, those guys tell important. you, when those guys tell you, "Hey, we're going to hire these guys," you're you're trusting them implicitly, and their reputation to you, you know, is is on the line. So there, that there's this great sort of human relationship that has to be in place in order for them to trust somebody enough to. Because you're going to be analyzing, you know, how's the work and you know, looking. You're not talking to the to the guy that just came on the job. You're talking to the foreman. They have to build that trust with you in many ways as well. So it really, you know, big company by by a lot of standards, but it's all human sort of relationships that 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 you've allowed to permeate instead of like Mike said, uh, sort of a top down. Hey, we're hiring sort of classified ads. Sort of, you know, hey, if you've got tools, show up and and we're hiring you. It's not how this works. Right. Yeah, and, we would never tell our drywall superintendent, like, this guy, we just hired this guy, this foreman, he's going to run that job for you. He would have been involved in that process yeah. from the get-go. So what's also interesting is we're still, we're young as a company where guys that aren't foremen or some of the lower level, we call them drywall mechanics, are, are starting to come of age a little bit where they're progressing to a level where they can move into that role. You know, if we were 25 years in, in the business already, we would probably have grown some of those people into that role. Yeah. But for us and the level of business that we're doing, we have to find those experienced people so that we can, you know, continue on. You're building through the draft now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. and, and those, those the guys. You're not the Redskins of the 2000s. We're grooming some young guys. That's right. Well, and that's really cool because those young guys come in, they see, gosh, you know, from 2010 – 
you guys have grown this company from a million dollar, you know, million and a half dollar company to $34 million. It looks like there might be some opportunity with these guys. There may be right. some growth. And there's a few things as, as interesting to someone who's young and learning than opportunity to grow and to take on responsibility. And I think that's one of the things we see so often. I think that's, that's a, a natural human desire, but I think in, in, in particular in your 20s, you're eager to learn and grow and to apply that new responsibility that you have and and ha- see that reap some rewards from you. And when you're with a company that's growing versus a company that's just stagnant, that's going to allow for a lot of growth for those guys. So, so congratulations. Well done. So let's talk competitive advantage, you know, without giving away all your secrets about how you <laughs> win work. And, and, but just in, I think a lot of folks would say, well, they're a relatively young company that puts you at a disadvantage or they're relatively young guys. They haven't seen, you know, as much as, you know, someone's been around for, you know, 50 years, not a second generational company. So what is your competitive advantage? What, what, how do you guys look at that? Our competitive advantage is, is a hundred percent our people. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100% that that's, that's what we, that's what we tell our customers. It's our people just getting back to kind of the common theme again is, is, is the service we provide and the people that are on the jobs and picking up the phone, not ignoring emails, mm-hmm. responding that day things like that, that is, that is absolutely our competitive it's advantage. But I will tell, I do tell our customers or new customers all the time, like we use it as an advantage. We think it's an advantage that we are not, for lack of a better term, old grizzled drywall guys. You know, this is not, you know, my dad and my grandfather sheetrock guys. That's not us. Yeah. I mean, we're just not, that's, yeah, yeah. that's not what we do. It is what we do, but that's not us. So that's we're not how you pitch for that's sure. That's not how we pitch. No. So we're not stuck in our ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not stuck that, you know, this is how we hung sheetrock 30 years ago and we will evolve. We try new things. We get technology. All of our foremen have iPads. Mm-hmm. We've created some apps. Mm-hmm. We have our own foreman feed app that provides daily reports. So those are, those are differentiating things that we do as Rockspring that I think is are different from our competitors. Yeah, and I think this isn't so much for a competitive advantage with our customer, but I think in terms of the people that we have, specific, you know, certainly office people, they we say that same thing to our people. We don't guys, we don't know the best way to do everything. We haven't done this for 30 years. Our right. dads didn't do it. So any idea you have, mm-hmm. bring it up. And we have a weekly meeting every Tuesday with the whole team. Bring it up, and we'll if it, we if it makes sense and everyone thinks it's cool, it's good, then it's getting implemented. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. But right. it's a constant, open communication about what's working, what's not, and what can we change and do better. Yeah, it sounds like our our wig meeting. You know, the we have a weekly meeting, wildly important goal. What is it? Okay, and and it's just a there's no rank. What's working? What's not? Is is a question we ask on a regular basis, and and it helps keep everybody humble, I think. And, and also um, we've gotten some amazing contribution from virtual assistants, you know, Skyping in who, who go, well, you guys may not see it from this angle. And then, you know, that that's led to deepening relationships with some of our bigger accounts and that sort of thing. So by, by having that safe environment, by staying hungry and humble in those and, and allowing for a forum where people have that ability to express it, right? Listen, we're going to step back from the business and work on the business as a team instead of your job is to work in the business all the time. And my, my job is to kind of work on the business and you're not getting that feedback that you'd get from people in the field, in the trenches, answering the phone. So really cool. Yeah. We, we say all the time, we don't know everything. We don't know the best way to do it. I mean, we're, we're open and honest about that. So if there's a good way or you think there's a good way, then we'll, we'll try it out. How do you determine so, so somebody says, well, I've got a way and you go, mm, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> How do you tackle that? We now usually, that you've opened the door, uh, right? Usually good ideas. Usually good ideas actually. So yeah, uh, but I don't know that that's, that's really, uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're just, it may, it may turn out it's a, another conversation or a separate meeting about it and it just right. may not be practical, right. but with, with, we're happy to talk it out. I mean, it's an open office environment and right. we haven't had to shut too many of them down. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so, usually, usually in those meetings, Pat's Pat will get really excited about an idea 
And then it'll come to me and I'll be like, well, this is all the things that will <laughs> not yes. work for that <laughs> idea. Reality. All right. We're going to okay. table that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Reel it in. I'm, it's actually, I'm past, I was, I was actually asking for my own benefit because <laughs> yeah. when I throw out stuff and it gets smacked down, <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to know how to cope with <laughs> that, actually. With that, yeah. <laughs> usually, Stay strong, usually Pat. wait a day and then we'll say <laughs> 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 That was really yeah. a terrible idea. What were you thinking? Yeah. So th this leads to sort of the, the idea of culture, right? So you and you've talked about it. How important do you think culture is to your success and and will be to your ongoing success? I think it's big. It's huge. Anyone who's looking for a job or when you're looking for a job, you want some place that you feel comfortable that and probably that you have a lot of freedom to do your work, but freedom to do stuff in life that's also important to you. And I think we have a unique perspective and unique setup. We really we don't monitor when people get to work and what mm -hmm. time they leave. As long as their work is done and you have a kid's soccer game or you've got some place you got to be, no one's asking questions. If the phone starts ringing and you know the customer's not getting what they need, then we have a talk. A talk. But it's rare that that's happened. I think people have embraced the freedom. So it's something that we'll tell people at interviews. Like it's a very, you know, in terms of the office, it's a very just get your stuff done and your other important obligations, you're free to do those as long as you're, you're handling your work. And I think it's worked well. Do you ever wonder if, if people will abuse that freedom? Mm -hmm. We wonder that. Yes. Yeah, we wonder yeah, that. That's, that's a concern for us. And we, yeah, I mean, I think it, it becomes obvious though. It, it can be obvious when it gets abused. Mm -hmm. and, and when that happens, then it's, it's time to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And it may not be to that one person. It may be like in that Tuesday meeting, like, hey, guys, it's time to buckle down. Like, we're, we're hearing some feedback from customers that we're not you know, thrilled about. Mm -hmm. Let's just make sure, you know, make sure we're doing what we need. And, the, and, but, and then we haven't had an issue where it's like, hey, with one person, you need to get your act together. That's awesome. Yeah, usually we set the expectation, whether it's at interview or the time of offer. And I think we make, you know, we have conversations. and we're, is, is this person the right fit? Yeah. Is it the right fit for our company? Will will we all feel comfortable, you know, when that person's in the office? Mm -hmm. So that's that's a big deal. And that was a big kind of that's always been big for us. I mean, with just Sean and I in a in a room, you know, at a 12 by 15 office, it's like, okay, we're gonna with your mom sitting there. In between, <laughs> Come on, uh, don't uh, leave her out twice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if if we're bringing somebody on board, they better fit and it better be yeah. comfortable uh, and it's been that way as we've grown too is this person going to fit now with this group and this group mm -hmm. so that's been a challenge as we've grown yeah it sounds like you guys cannot you really can't hire just order takers because they have to be enough of a self-starter right and they have to care enough about their own work product or else it just doesn't work because you if you're not monitoring them constantly or you know and like some sort of like call center you know, atmosphere, then they wouldn't get their work done. So you can't hire just a someone off the street order ticket. They got to have, they actually have to have somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit they need to be the right themselves. Fit. You yeah. know, they have to be hungry. They need, so, to be, they need to be the right fit for sure. Yeah. And probably makes set it set up to fail yeah. if you're not. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's set up to fail. It probably makes for a much more dynamic office culture than a lot of uh, sort of like a, you know, a corporate job in air quotes. I would say it's very different from a corporate <laughs> environment. It's very, uh, yeah, it's You're not fun. sitting at your cubicle waiting for your boss to leave so you can leave type right. of deal. It's, it's, it's way different than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, that's the key to hiring really awesome talent is people will come for the culture. They'll come for, for the environment that they get to be part of and the growth that they see, they'll be able to, to reap from that. So you guys being able to articulate that What's, what's really cool is going, you know, moving so fast, I'm sure now people can come in, see the office culture and go, I want to be part of this. But at first it's just, Hey, do you like us enough and trust us that <laughs> yeah. we're not going to, that we'll be in business next year. Right. So it, it evolves in a pretty cool way. Just about your, your hiring process. Do you guys, you, you said you have, you now have, you put together job descriptions, that sort of stuff. Do you use any. Uh, in particular with people that are going to be close to you, do you use any personality profiling stuff or anything like that to get in there and understand sort of strengths beforehand? Or are you, are you relying more on maybe, you know, just really good interview questions or, you know, talking to their past employers and that sort of thing. And any, any tips you can give us for that? 
we do not use any any pro. It, the personality test is is Sean and I having lunch with that person. Yeah, or Sean and I grabbing coffee, or you know, we hired Kevin McKay. I met was coaching my son in baseball mm-hmm. at, a, at a you know, so I got to see how he interacted just with in general and yeah. with kids and with adults as parents are asking questions and things like that. So. I think that's that's the test that we look at. We just how how do we get along with you? Are you and will you fit? And will yeah. you fit? And usually, I'd, I'd say, yeah, all the time so yeah. far, it's been we've had a we've had a good hunch and and have made the right call. Mm-hmm. That's great. So yeah, a little bit of blind faith, you know, yeah. just going for it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and if both of you feels good, if when both of you feel good, good about it versus good. just one of you, right. Right. That, that's the power of a really good partnership right, is yeah. you, you both are going to look at it from totally different perspectives. Yeah. And I think we in the past have subscribed to a, a more scientific method about hiring folks. And I think it's safe to say we, we've failed forward on a couple of Heck hires yeah. because we thought, well, they fit the profile, mm-hmm. you know, kind of scientifically they fit the profile, even when not all the decision makers in the company were like totally on board with that person. Mm hmm. And you can see how quickly it's just a total clash of, yeah. of culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it just speaks to, it speaks to this, there is a, an inherent ability for the people who understand the culture to recognize other people that will fit, right? Yeah, are they going to be a good, good match for the tribe or not? And yeah, it is. Right. It's, exactly. It feels like a tribe. And, you know, that I don't know if that's going to work. And if your gut says no right out of the gates... Or, or somebody else is on the team, that's huge. And I think part of the power of, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, never never go into a partnership. Partnerships are just, you know, they're, they're hard to break. It's just so hard. You know, I've been uh, trying to break this one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> the truth comes yeah. out. You started, you started poking a sore topic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, live Sorry. podcast. Oh, that was the last day that <laughs> Scott <laughs> Creek was around. Oh, what did it out? Yeah, you right. what did it out. can get an Uber back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll take, we're, we are hiring Sean. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think so. I don't know. We get along. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> now that, but that's, that's the type of sort of, I wish, you know, in retrospect that we, that, that in some ways I had trusted the team more to hire a little bit more by committee instead of going, well, I've taken these courses and I've read these books and, and I've, and I've done a lot of these, you know, I've interviewed a ton of people and this is definitely, it could be the most talented person. It could be hands down the most talented person out of 10 people and also just a bad fit. That's very possible. So really having the right fit because a bad, the cost of a bad hire is massive. And so you guys, just looking at your growth curve, it's not surprising to know that you haven't made a whole lot of bad hires because it's really hard. That'll set you back a few million, you know, and exponentially over time, it just, it, it multiplies. And I think it's it's one of the hardest things for people to do is, is one, not fall in love with the idea of having leverage, right? They'll hire people out of pain and a desire to, to stop doing certain jobs and also to just take the advice of the people around them as well on that. So that's huge. And as you guys said, fortunate, fortunate, It, with our leadership hires, our office hires, I, I'd say in the field, it, it you know there is some trial and error there. But what's important to do is if if a mistake may have been made, or if it just wasn't the right fit or the right guy, is to is to is to move on immediately. I mean, it's time. You know, you have to. You know, if if somebody if we hired a foreman or we got a referral on a foreman and the job didn't go well. What we cannot afford to do is let another job not go well. It's time right. to, you know. Yeah. At that point, we need to move on. So you got to fail fast. Yes. You, got, you, can't yes. Just, you can't just, you know, oh, we fell forward on that one. Let's yeah. try it the next time. You got to fail fast we and can't move afford. on. Because, again, you know, it's, those are, that's Rock Spring. To that, to that job and that superintendent and that customer running that job, they, then Rock Spring didn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. Let's so get into sort can't of afford the, to have that happen more than once. Not at all, and and so you have to keep that. tabs on things. You know, Nick, this is, this is just watching you talk about that. It's clear that like you're <laughs> you're you're in it, really analyzing. You know, not only did we get paid on it, was it profitable, but was it a successful relationship built? Because that's you know that that's what what it's going to look like going forward. I was going to ask a question about goal setting, and 
you know, how do you guys systematically goal set and keep tabs on your growth? It sounds like it's almost a job to job thing for you guys. Or do you have a more formal structure outside of that in, in, in how you goal set as a team? One thing I learned, I did, I spent seven years working for NVR, NV mm-hmm. Homes, Ryan Homes. And one, I, I learned a lot there. I mean, it was kind of like my great boot, company, my boot camp, I yeah. would call it like, you know, they, they sales, production, all, everything. But one of the things I took away that they stressed a lot was customer surveys. And Chris Leonetti, Sean's brother-in-law, who's who's a leader in our company as well, spent how long was Chris at Ryan? Five, six Five, years. Five, six years, I think. Yeah. And they they spend a lot of time, you know, rating, getting surveys from their customers on how their employees performed. Did the guy that was in charge of building your house, your project manager, did he do a good job and ask ten questions? Yeah. Can you give him a rating, one through ten? Did the salesperson do a good job and the different categories, one through ten, rating? Mm-hmm. So one of the things we've done at Roxbury is we've taken that and implemented our own, our own rating. And we ask superintendents on jobs to rate our foreman. Mm-hmm. We ask them to rate how safe we were, one through 10, how, how clean we were, one through 10. We ask them to rate our, our product in general. Yeah, the quality, one through 10. <clears throat> so we ask them simple questions, five questions or so. And then we say, would you recommend using us again? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And that those are our goals right there. I mean, we we tell our foreman this is what you're getting rated on. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do a good job on, and they get bonus on it. Their bonus depends on that. Great. So objective system, right? Yeah, it's simple, right. trackable. You know whether you've won or lost because you just get the feedback. Right. right. Do you get the feedback every time? Mm-hmm. Every, every single day. time, and and it turns into a marketing for us because mm-hmm. then we turn it around and say, here's what you're. You just said about our company. Yeah, it you might know, be you us, told versus, us that, yeah, us versus another drywall sub to get a job, and we say, "Hey, we've worked with your your superintendents before. Here's ten surveys from the last jobs we've done, and they're all yeses and ten, uh, nines and tens. So right. it helps us, you know, win work at times. And there's That's a place cool. for comments, and they can write some good things about our foreman or or feedback that we need to know. I mean, it's yeah. important. There's a note at the top that says, "This is our company policy. We value your feedback." Yeah, and uh, we so yeah we do. We also set revenue goals for the company each year and so and then every tuesday we update where we're at in our revenue and everyone's bonus in the office is tied to that so so and you t- we're just talking in goal setting we do set you know parameters and things that we're all trying to achieve as a team and constantly are updating and looking at those and keeping people informed where we're at and they're bonused off of it so kind of keeps everyone driving the same like sales be you know be the best customer service company we can be yeah it's a good conversation to have when somebody tells you, I'm, I'm not involved in getting work. You know, why is my bonus based on our sales number? I said, everybody's, everybody's involved in yep. getting work. You're, you're managing a job. If you do a good job at managing that job, if you do a great job, it's going to turn into more work for us. Right. So yeah. you are involved in getting work. Every single person's bonus is tied into our sales goal. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. It's measurable, trackable, repeatable. It's understandable by everybody. You know, truly, really smart goal setting, and you know, those are those are the elements, and tying it to revenue goals. You guys, you know, you keep score by revenue, and that revenue is intimately linked to customer satisfaction, and people can see that link, which I think oftentimes there's a disconnect there. Like revenue happens, but but understanding how that connects to the client relationship and and repeat customers is not something that's tracked, but you guys have figured out what is that one thing that we know is gonna move the needle for us and that everybody can understand, you know, we're gonna win and lose together on this as well. So very cool stuff and just very applicable stuff. You, you guys didn't go and you may do this, but you didn't go to, well, we have a, you know, quarterly offsite where everybody does this. It's in the trenches getting after it and, and it's live. Yep. So. Great. Right now is our time. We're in September, October is really when we're getting into the nitty gritty of planning for 2018. I mean, our yeah. fiscal year is just January through yeah. December 31st. So we're we're by the by the end of October, we will have our plan in place for 18, and everybody will know what it is. That's so great. It's a fun time of year for me. And like are they <laughs> is the team around the table helping develop that plan? Is that something you guys are bringing to them after it's developed, or is it a little bit of both? It's uh it it is. No, they're they're all a part yeah. of it. Right now there's there's some individual meetings happening as to what certain divisions think they can produce and how that's gonna impact costs or their big 
purchases or hires that need to be made to get to that level. Mm -hmm. And then we'll bring it all together and meet and, and then we'll relay it to the masses, if you will, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Thinking about where we started and where we've come, it's been very reactive for the first several years, not only just with figuring out how to run a company and get work and get it done and makes, try to make some money, but also with our growth being so rapid, I mean, we were constantly reacting to whatever that day brought. Um, So to now sit here, you know, I mean, seven years later and be able to say, hey, we're having our meetings now to plan for next year and become way more proactive about it and just like have a team that can, we can talk about that with who will, will execute it is really been something to see and something to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. So entrepreneurial to purposeful. Love it. Yeah. Just being very purposeful about, uh, but you know, that scrappy entrepreneurial thing is what gets you guys over the, over some initial humps and that trust. And then learning how to put purposeful systems in place along the way. And I think there there can be, I think, too much of an academic pr- approach initially that doesn't allow, that doesn't take into consideration hustle. Mm-hmm. And it's all hustle. You know, it, you gotta, it's, it's a huge lift to get this thing off the ground. Once you build momentum with a lot of your natural, you know, skills and gifts and relationships, then, you know, putting things into place that, you know, stabilize is, can be huge. And I, I love that. And it's just a, it's a real life story instead of sort of, you, know, you read a lot of books and it's just, well, here's step one through 10. If you right. just follow this, you're going to make six figures sort of thing. And uh, it's just not that simple. Right. There's no Excel formula where you can type in grind and yeah, eyeballs with, you know, feels like there's sand in them. Hustle into Excel. How's that going to impact my numbers here? And what can I do? Yeah. Interestingly, you figured out how to not only hustle yourselves, but also find other people who will hustle with you to a pretty large scale. So really cool. And thanks for sharing that, guys. Uh, So two last questions. We'll wrap up here. Since this is really directed towards young entrepreneurs, although I think it's going to be tremendously beneficial to a lot of entrepreneurs out there, what one piece of advice, if you could give one piece of advice to a young entrepreneur, maybe one of your kids in the future, what would you say? You, you need to take one. I, I, yeah. well, I think just one piece of advice would be don't be afraid to change course. If you get started, I mean, getting started, get over the hump, take the risk, take the leap of faith. Believe in yourself, but don't be afraid to change course if you need to. I think that was big for us to just just not you know, not getting stuck doing one thing the way we thought was the best way to do it or way way our business plan told us we were going to do it. So I think that's big. And the other thing that I would say, and you can probably add on this, Sean, is that is to get as much advice as you can. Yeah. Is to reach out to we we made a point before 2010 before we started to to meet with people who have been successful, mm-hmm. to ask them if they will have lunch with us, to call somebody that we didn't even really know, but had a one-off relationship or somebody told us about that they were successful and and say, would you grab, would you grab uh, a drink or would you grab lunch with us? Or can we grab coffee and just understand how they've been successful? I mean, we made a point to, to, to do that with business leaders before we got started for sure. And that helped us a lot. Any people reject you say, no, I won't meet with you. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's a fear. Well, you know, why would they spend time with me? And when you're authentically humble and just asking for advice, it's amazing who you can go ask. Yeah. And use your relationships. I mean, Sean went to Georgetown prep and then Dayton, I went to St. John's and then Virginia tech. And when you call somebody that, you know, I, I think I spent some time on, on the alumni you know, boards or just understanding on LinkedIn nowadays, you can find out where people went to school, right. And all that stuff. So that's an easy in that people love to hear from somebody who who went. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, I know I went to St. John's. I know you're doing this. I'd love to have lunch with you. Do you have some time? And it's harder for them to say no at that point. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So-and-so gave me your name. They say right. great things about right. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. yeah. I would say, uh, you know, and this is something that I certainly learned, and Nick's been a big part of learning that is the 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 planning and thought thought that goes into putting your goals out there, visualizing them, and then figuring out how to go achieve those. I mean, we like like we touched on earlier, several meetings where we you know we had never done it before, but once we put it on paper, it was like, hey, this is going to happen. Let's how do we make this happen? And as each year has gone on, we've we've tried to do that, and we've done it more and more accurately. Like 
you know, what do we want next year to look like? And if you put it down and you present it to, you know, if even if it was just the two of us, we would still do the same thing. But now mm-hmm. we're presenting to a whole team. It just sets everything in motion that I think allows you, allows people to really focus. So I would just say the, take the time to really plan it out on paper and allow yourself to see that. Yeah. And, and hire then, smart people. People are smart, smarter, smarter, smarter than, than you. Than you trust. Yeah, that's yeah. what i They're smarter than us. So that's Phenomenal. Yeah, that's like that. Great advice. All about the people in the end. Absolutely. Um, both the people you get advice from, to the people that you hire, to the people you go into business with, to your mom, <laughs> Thank helping you. you out with accounting, yes. making Love sure you mom. don't totally <laughs> go bankrupt. Our our one, our uh, <laughs> a few lunches and our board, yeah, of, our, board, yeah, our advisory, board. advisory board. We did have an advisory board, which yeah. was, was helpful. So all that stuff. Yeah, yeah we've heard that from a, a few of the entrepreneurs we've had on. who said that that was the biggest thing, is that they had... They had people who were really invested in their business just from like an ideological level, right? Yeah. Who could serve as their board, who had done it before, who wanted to see them get off the ground. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. It's yeah. a common theme. Yeah. Especially my father. My father-in-law was invested again because I had I was married to his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Just Definitely. Yeah. And I Not said, even I'm, at an ideological level. Go First piece of advice is don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was excited for us. <laughs> please, please don't do this. This has to work. Yeah. <laughs> So last question, guys. Favorite book? Book recommendation? Uh, and in particular, if if it can be, well, if you can couch it in, hey, this is why you should read it as, a, as an entrepreneur. Oh, man. Well, I was prepared to say I'm big on like a 13 hours lone survivor, uh-huh. unbroken oh, type book. Love that. Yep. Love all which are, kind, you know, I guess in the... Well, when you talk about grit. Yeah, you talk about survival and grit and pers- yeah, pers- perseverance and having faith. I think that I put those high up there. I'm reading Band of Brothers right now. Mm. So I'm kind of in the middle of that, which I kind of like those kinds of books. I think they can uh, relate to the business world. Absolutely. Getting getting through the hardships. Sean took all my books. (laughs) (laughs) One book I I really like, you guys have probably read it or seen the movie, was Moneyball. Mm -hmm. I love baseball, love sports, but it was real interesting, a guy to say, I'm going to do things completely different than, yeah. than people have been doing them. You tell me I have to do it this way, I'm going to do it way different. And yeah. I, I believe in what I'm doing. And I'm going to tell people that tell me I'm crazy that I, I like what I'm doing and it's going to work. And it worked out. It worked out for him. So, awesome. you know, believe in your ideas. Believe in your ideas. And that's uh, that's what Moneyball was, was all about. Very cool. Yeah. Those are great book recommendations. Very good. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, guys. Nick and Sean, awesome to have you here. Looking forward to to getting your uh, your wisdom, you know, live with oh, yeah. with all with with the students when they when they present. I think uh, they're going to get an enormous amount of just great feedback from you guys. Again, thanks for thanks for being part of this. Yeah, yeah thanks we, for having us. Really enjoyed it. it. Yeah, this was great. Good Thank to see you again guys. after all these years. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love you, mom. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Rock Spring Contracting, visit rockspringcontracting.com. Next week, look out for our interview with Roxana Pierce, founder of Omnia Strategies and an attorney with one of the most enviable careers and networks that we've ever spoken to. Thanks again for listening and for feedback on this episode or the podcast in general. Email us at podcast at towerhillrealty.com.